0: Evening. I think this will be good tonight. (laughs) I'm encouraged. Uh, I told y'all Sunday on that message of David and Goliath that Todd Nybert had a real good message on that, on what those five smooth stones were. And you know what he preached on this evening? David and Goliath. (laughs) How about that? I listened to it. It was good. I thanked him. I texted him. If you want, turn to John 19. I just changed the title of my message as Mike was reading there in that in that text that he read. It says, "And seek ye not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink." He's got something added onto that. Neither be ye of doubtful mind. You know what a doubtful mind is? A coward. Have you ever met a coward? I've been one. <laughs> I've been one a lot. A lot. I'm going to title this A Hope for Cowards. A Hope for Cowards. Now, if I could find a coward, I'd tell that coward, why don't you look at some other cowards? This is hopeful. John 19. <clears throat> I looked this up too. You know we, how long we've been in John? Two years, five months, 13 days. Have we learned anything? <laughs> has God taught us anything? I pray He has. We've been looking at the burial of Jacob on Sundays, and this year is the burial of Christ. But he uses two cowards to do it. These two cowards were used greatly. They weren't unsuccessful. They weren't dumb. They were just cowards. To the world, they were great men. They were cowards. I know. I've seen my cowardice. John 19, verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea... Being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. And he came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then "...took they the body of Jesus, and wound it in linen clothes with spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day." It was a day before the Sabbath, and the Passover was there. "...for the sepulcher was not hand." It was close. I had some questions as I read. There's so many things popped out, but i got to leave some in and i got to leave some things out. I can't cover everything. We've been here for nine hours. Who were these two men? What did they do? Why did they do it? What does this show us? Who gets the glory for it? And then finally, and this is why I ended this on purpose, my last question, where did this take place? Now, that's odd, it coming after who gets the glory for it, isn't it? He gets the glory in where it took place, too. It's magnificent. Who were these two men? Turn over to Matthew 27. The first one mentions Joseph of Arimathea. He was a rich man. That's who he was. Matthew 27, verse 57. It says, And when evening was come, there was a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged. He begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. This was his tomb. It was a new tomb. He hollered it out. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. This was a rich man. Joseph was a rich man. How'd he get rich? Joseph was a counselor. Turn over to Luke 23. Luke 23. Verse 50. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, He was a good man and just. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He worked there. He was a religious man. He was a false preacher. That was his occupation when he had heard of the Lord. But he didn't consent to them. You know what he was doing? He was going against the union. All of a sudden, he was fighting back a little bit against corporate Judaism. I hope God teaches in that. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged, begged the body of Jesus. He wouldn't wouldn't come out. He was secret. This was all secret. I believe, but I ain't going to tell nobody. I believe, but I won't go church down where they go church. I believe, but, you know, I got to go fishing on the weekends or I got something important going on. No, you don't. <laughs> it ain't come to fruition yet, but he went and begged. He begged the body. He besought That's what John, John recorded. What's he up to? Matthew and Mark or Matthew and Luke say he begged. He begged the body of Jesus. This rich man that was a counselor that was respected in a religious community went and begged for the body of a dead man. Mark fifteen. Mark 15, verse 42. Now when evening was come, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom, came in and went in boldly unto Pilate. That's the governor. Hess was a rich man. He was a counselor, but Pilate was the boss, wasn't he? And he went in boldly boldly into where Pilate was and craved the body of Jesus. I love that. He craved it. That word literally translated in English is required. He had to have it. Do you crave the body of Christ? When he says, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. He said, well, yeah, I guess this is what we do. On, we do this every fill in the blank. This is what we do. Or do you crave it? Not just the, the Lord's table, the Lord do you crave him? do you beg for him? do you beseech for him, and put all those other things away' because you have to have him? I didn't have to have him before. I had a good job and 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 I just it was secret it was secret, something changed something happened. that's the key, and now he's craving, he's begging, he's beseeching do we crave, beg and beseech if we don't, that means whatever happened to joseph everything it ain't happened to us yet and it ain't happened to anybody else yet stay with me now this is important i want to just apply this let's not forget this when we walk out the door verse 44 and pilate marveled if he were already dead and calling unto him the centurion he asked him whether he had been any while dead and when he knew of the centurion he gave the body to joseph and joseph he bought fine linen wasn't that his own new tomb he went out of his own money and he bought discounted flea market linen. That's not what it says. He bought fine linen. This was important to him. He bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher which was hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone upon the door of the sepulcher. Now, this rich man, this honorable man, this man who was a counselor, what said is good and just, he pleaded, he besought He begged and he craved. That's how God recorded it in all four Gospels. What would turn a rich man into a beggar? I thought about this all week. Mike, what if if Elon Musk came down here? Would he beg you for $5? Would he beg you for a dead dog? A criminal? If a criminal died in your your property, Cass, would, would Bill Gates come down and beg you and crave and just please... Please give me that dead criminal in your yard. Pilate marveled all right, didn't he? What can make a rich man a beggar? Only God. Boy, we're rich in our own devices and deceits and wisdom and everything we know. Why not? But I just think, here's what we've always done. Well, stop doing it that way and bow to God. He has to do that. He has to break us and he has to make us quit being rich and start being beggars. And pleaders and those that crave. Because that's called his children. Do we crave? Do we beg? Are we in need? Well, what about Nicodemus? Turn over to John 3. I know we've looked at this, this will be the fifth time we've looked at this, but it's good. John 3. What about Nicodemus? Well, Nicodemus was a master in Israel, wasn't he? He came to instruct the master. He came to debate with the master. He came to reason with the master. As was one time a, a faithful gospel preacher has been preaching a long time, uh, 30 years, I guess. And uh, I saw a man go up. He preached the gospel and went up to him and just wailed on him after. Why'd you say this? Well, what about that? And I was sitting there watching. You know what I wanted to do more than anything? I want to get up in that man's face and say, what made you think that was okay? That's God's prophet. You better be careful how you talk to him. And then I'd have took him out in the parking lot. But thankfully, the Lord restrained me. And then that man who's had years, three decades of experience, and this happened over and over and over and over again, he knew exactly how to handle it. That just blew my mind. And then I read about Nicodemus, and that blew my mind. I don't understand that. That's so God has to teach that too. He does. The Lord preached to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And then the rebuttals and the kicking back and the trying to make it understand by your own understanding and his own understanding and my own understanding and trying, trying to use his own wisdom. Verse 7, John 3, 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. You can't really explain it. You don't really know when it happened. You don't really know the means. But it happened. It happened because you crave, you beg. Nicodemus answered, how can these things be? Well, explain that to me. I want to know. Why? Why? That's what little kids do, don't it? Why? You're going to be like a child to be in the kingdom of God. Well, he told him why. He told him how, didn't he? Verse 10, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master in Israel, and knowest not these things? Sarcasm. He belittled him. You know why? He needed to be made little. As felt got on a nugget one time. He said, All you ever do is tell me I told you so. Do you know what a prerequisite is, a requirement for me to tell you I told you so? That means I told you what was going to happen before it come to pass. And if that's happened repeatedly, maybe you ought to listen. <laughs> you get that? He belittled him, and he needed to be made little. That was the problem. He was puffed up. Is there you ever? Is there any contention in your life whatsoever? Is there any strain or struggling or rubbing? What's a what's God say on it? Contention comes only by pride well there's another way god says there's not god says there's one way there's contention and it's pride well it ain't me that other one's being proud yeah well that's me it's me isn't it well the lord doesn't stop there verse 11 verily verily i say unto thee we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness i told you everything i swung for the fences and you didn't even hear it because you couldn't and you wouldn't and then this is interesting to me. If I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? You all trust me to bring your family in here and you come in here in eternal matters for me to preach eternity of life and death and things of God to your family and loved ones and to you. You think I'm going to tell you? Wrong on something little? What kind of toilet paper we ought to be behind? God said, You don't believe me in these earthly things, and you don't believe me because you don't believe me in spiritual things. How are you even going to hear me? Well, I don't believe anything He says except for what He preaches. and You need to reevaluate your position or reevaluate who they've hired, whoever that is that's listening, reevaluate who you've hired me be pastor. Verse 13, and no man hath ascended up to heaven. But he that came down from heaven, the Son of Man which is in heaven, that's who's talking to you, Nicodemus. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now after that, that whosoever, that, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, Jews and Gentiles, this religious man believed fully in election. That was a huge catching point for me when I was 16. Somebody believed in election, we're buddies. Why well, would have been buddies with every Pharisee that ever walked? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is that condemnation. That light is coming to the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Don't you dare tell me what I've done wrong. You don't like your deeds being told evil. That's condemnation. That's us by nature. I got an old man in me. He ain't never done nothing wrong. And I don't want to hear about it. For everyone that doeth evil hateth light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Get whipped on, get chastened, get told what you're doing wrong. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. Oh, I've done so good. Know that they were a rotten God. You quit saying that you're right and you'll start saying God's right. You have to be born again, Nicodemus. What a gospel he preached to him. Nobody's ascended except the one that descended, and that's me. And i got to be lifted up. And then when I'm lifted up, you're going to believe. And then you're going to start saying the things you did right, and you're going to start saying the things God did right. You don't even know that you're saying that now. You still think you're right. Well, explain it to me. Hush. Sit down and listen. Well, it might take 10 years. Well, then that's good. That's a whole lot better than eternity and damnation, isn't it? Seems like the Lord put him in his place, didn't he? Seemed like the Lord preached to him. They had it out, didn't they? This is horrible. No, it's not. That was God working in him. Wise man told me, if I made you mad, that's good. That means you was paying attention. <laughs> you heard me. The Pharisees later on, they sent some men to arrest Christ, but they would heard him preach. Look here in John 7. John 7, verse 37 john seven thirty seven in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, "If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water out of that new heart we speak of what the Lord did. We, we have our eyes with wine while we do is see his blood, and our teeth white with that milk of the gospel, just coming out just like Judah, just like all the sons of Judah hit." Verse 45, then came, they sent those guys to arrest him. They didn't. Then came the officers to the chief priest of Pharisees, and they said unto them, why have you not brought him? What, you went to go get him. You heard him preaching. Why didn't you bring him back to us? And the officer said, never man speak like this man. I've never heard this before. Did they say we had a good handle on the gospel, and I've decided he's saying what he's saying is right? They said, I've never heard this before. That's a drastic difference, isn't it? I've seen this happen. I've seen people start going from I was right to God's right. And we used to do things this way, but I ain't never seen, I ain't never heard of a man like this. God's working in them, isn't he? Then answered them the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Are you deceived too? Verse 48, have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? Two of them was right there in the midst. But this people who knoweth not the law, they're cursed. They're cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, he was one of these Sanhedrin, doth our law. It still says he's one of them, right? And that law is still his law, not God's holy law. You notice that? Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? He's he's starting to process this, isn't it? He's heard what the Lord said, and it wasn't a, he's saved. God's work, don't put a timetable on God. Okay? We want people to hear the gospel, have a reaction, and immediately be be mature, grown up believers for the rest of their lives, ever, ever, ever. Uh, sometimes the Lord preaches to somebody and then waits ten, fifteen years for that to kick in. That's his business. That's his business. But this is starting to work. He still hadn't professed Christ publicly. <laughs> it's still his law. He was still one of them. He's still taking paycheck every month from him, wouldn't he? He wasn't. A, he wasn't a good, good, faithful brother. He was not. Not yet. He's got to see something. Something's got to happen. Something's got to happen. And it's, 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 it's the same thing's got to happen to us. It's important. Verse 52, And they answered him, said, Art thou also of Galilee? Whose side are you on, Nicodemus? Are you from that podunk town down there? They said, Search and look. Go read your Bible. Why not you, you go look him things up? For out of Galilee riseth no prophet. They didn't understand the scriptures and they didn't even know them. <laughs> Been four hundred years without a prophet. This is what it comes to. There's a prophet come out of Galilee. Remember that J- uh, Jonah. Jonah was Jonah the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gath Helper. That's Galilee. There's a couple of prophets come out of Galilee. <laughs> they didn't even know what they was talking about. The Lord said, "You aren't getting any sign, but the sign of the prophet Jonah." He knew what he's talking about, didn't he? You know, what the, you know what that means to me? The only profit you're going to get is the one you rejected, and you wouldn't even believe him in earthly things, and that's it. That's the last one you ain't getting no more. Depart from him. Leave him alone, he said. What a terrifying thing. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Well, these two cowards were made bold, weren't they? Look back in our text there in John 19. John 19, verse 38. Saw Joseph, who had a good thing going, rich and a counselor and all these mighty things. Still working for the Sanhedrin. Saw Nicodemus, a master in Israel, respected. Kicking back a little bit at work, but still there, still one of them. Still had his law. Cowards. They say they believe on the Lord, wouldn't, wouldn't profess him at all. But they're made bold. What did Joseph and Nicodemus do? Look at verse 38. And he came forth, the end of verse 38. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. And they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. took a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes. A hundred pounds. That's big, isn't it? The the typical amount for a very wealthy person in that time was twenty pounds of myrrh and aloe. This was a hundred pounds. This was five times more they went and bought to anoint the Lord's body. Five times. What's five? Typify old Brother Pink did a thing on numerology and i take up the grain of salt some of them. Grace Grace. God had dealt graciously with Nicodemus. He went and bought that myrrh and aloe. God had dealt graciously with with Joseph Arimathea, and he got it. And he said, you're getting a brand new tomb. You're getting brand new linen, fine linen. Go get the best stuff they got. This is my God. This is my Lord. He gets the best. And it's rags to him, but I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to dress the best I can, and I'm going to walk the best I can. I want to do better. get the best. The best. Wrapped in fine linen. Why was that fine linen? That's the garment of the priest." This is our high priest here. That's who that was. interceding for us. They're in Leviticus uh, 16. Uh, somebody got on a dawn one time for this real bad. They, they wouldn't go to church with him no more because he said britches one time instead of pants, slacks, dress slacks. He said, put your britches on. And I thought of Leviticus 16. It says Aaron was telling him what he had to wear when he did the burnt offering. This is real important at the end. Christ is our burnt offering. Not our buried offering, our burnt offering. That's when he's offered. The fire of hell, the fire of God's wrath, came on him. But Aaron, he had to wear on, put on a holy linen coat, and he shall have linen breeches, that you unwear, pants upon his flesh, and he shall be girded with a linen girdle, and a linen mitre shall be attired. These are holy garments, and he shall wash his flesh with water before he puts them on. That was the priest's garments. Our Lord was wrapped in fine linen. He's our high priest. Head to toe. You know, he came into this world with poor clothes on. Where was he born to come into? A manger. What kind of clothes did he have on after he was born? Swaddling clothes? That means remnants. Poor people clothes. What's he buried in? The finest linen there was. The finest. The work's done, isn't it? I thought of that myrrh and aloe, two hundred pounds. It'd take you a while. Say there's a 150-pound body and 100 pounds of spices and aloe. and You had to go through the streets. Two people carried him. That's a lot of weight. Take a long time, would it? even though it's close. And I thought of all the mocking that would have took place while he was carried. And, and, and all the, the fair warnings. Now, Nicodemus, don't let the boss see you. You're going to get it tomorrow at work. Logic, logical things, right? Good, wise things, people would say. You gonna throw you back out? Put him on a cart. He couldn't be on a cart and be carried. <laughs> oh, I'm just I'm just here to help. No, you ain't. They were carrying him, and they laid him in a rich man's tomb. That's what these two did. Why did they lay him in a rich man's tomb? Isaiah 53 says he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death. He made his grave with the wicked. What's that mean? You made your bed. You're gonna lay in it. You ever heard that? Growing up, your parents would tell you that? No, you made your bed. Now you're going to lay in it. He made his bed with the wicked. He hung between two thieves. He made his bed. He willfully went there. This is his work. This is what he did. Between two thieves. But with the rich in his death. What's that mean? That's the bed he was laid in. (laughs) He made the bed. And he was laid in a rich man's tomb. A rich man's tomb. This is important. Why a tomb? Why not why wasn't he buried in the dirt? That's where we're buried. We're buried in the dirt. Why? Because that's where we came from. The Lord said that in Genesis three. He said, In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread. You will return unto the ground, for out of it was you taken. Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. That's us. Our Lord didn't wasn't created from this dirt. He wasn't created from Adam. He's the rock of ages. He's the smitten rock. He was buried in the rock. And they carried him just like the priest had to carry that ark. These kings and priests, these two men, these cowards made kings and priests, loving their Lord, carried his body. Christ our ark. You know what? We get the word casket. That's what goes in the ground, isn't it? That's the same word ark. Isn't that precious? Christ is our ark. He's who we die in. And we go into this dirty in. What an honor. You think about that. What if the Lord come down here and gave you a job of cleaning this? this here's what I want done. I want these baseboards clean. Would we go, eh, that's good enough. Oh, we'd sh- scrub to them baseboards red, wouldn't we? We'd have blood coming out of our fingers to serve it. These two, that was cowards that wouldn't even go to services and wouldn't even identify publicly with the Lord's people and, and didn't make eye contact with them. That's the very two he used to bury his body. What a honor! Why did they do that? God came. It's a high price. This is a costly thing. God came to them. He gave them new hearts, and He drew them to Him. But why now? And why not before? Well, that's just the Lord's good timing. Yes, it was, but there's a reason. Look at verse thirty-eight, John nineteen, verse thirty-eight. And after this. After what? <laughs> There's a therefore. Look what what's what it's there for? After this? After what? Look up verse thirty-seven. And again, another scripture was fulfilled. They shall look on him whom they've pierced. Something happened. They lo- they saw Christ crucified, and they saw they pierced him. They saw he was hung there for them. Now nothing else matters. Job said, I've heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. I see you crucified. I see the wrath of God poured out on you because of me. That's my wrath. I see what I am and I see who you are. You're the one that had no sin, but was made sin. And when that happens, you can have the best head knowledge you want on earth, but when we see him, something's going to happen drastic things take place when we see Christ lifted up truly not 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 as 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 somebody in 1600 said back in England baptist of faith confessions or something like that no creeds no no systematic theology no calvinism when we see Christ lifted up and exalted there is no mediocre response that's what we see all over and that's not so when god works there's there's not a mediocre response why cuz we love him you mediocre love your daughter, your children? No, you love them. Well, somebody will make fun of you for taking care of them. Who cares? I don't care what nobody thinks. That's my children. You better watch out. They love their Lord. And when that happens, they bow to him and they serve him and they're with those that are other members of his body and they look out for them too. Period. Period. When we see him high and lifted up, That's what happens. There's no lukewarm thing about Christ because he's burning in their hearts. There's a fire going on in them. That's so. I I was afraid to look up who quoted it. Broke Crocs twice a day, so I didn't care to look it up. But somebody said that went out. I probably wouldn't care for it much anyway since I was a Christian. But if, if being a Christian was a felony in this country, is there enough evidence on you to convict you? What if we ask your neighbors? What if you ask my neighbors? Mm. You think Joseph and Nicodemus kept their jobs after all this? Do you think they were interested in going back to that false church? That was they were right on some things. They had some things right. Do you think they're interested in doing that? No, they were excommunicated. They couldn't get married there. They couldn't have a funeral there. They couldn't get their retirement fund out of that place. Nothing. And people weren't allowed to talk to him or make eye contact with them, And that was just okay with them. Because they saw Christ crucified for them. Christ revealed himself to us. Oh, Joseph and Nicodemus, they waited a long time for this to happen, didn't they? long time. Some people wait a long time to profess Christ in believers' baptism, don't they? They hear year in and year out. And if you were baptized underneath something that you can't sit under anymore, and that stuff that you did something you weren't you didn't profess Christ publicly, you didn't, because you didn't know Him. You didn't do it. You didn't pr- profess Him. But why do people wait? Fear, fear sometimes, isn't it? What's that? Pride. What? What? I'm old. What if people would think I was just saved? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? If you love Him, you'll do it. If you love Him, you'll do it. When the Lord saved a person and they see Christ high and lifted up, you don't have to beg them to be baptized. They'll beg you. Ain't that right? Your pastor didn't come to you and say, you want to be baptized? You went to him and said, it's time for me to be baptized. (laughs) That eunuch did the same thing, didn't he? Our Lord says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before me and him, I'll confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, he also will I deny before my Father, which is heaven. You know, I've known some people that's left the gospel for something else. They were where the sound of the gospel was, and they went to a better job. Why I have to take it? It's a dream job. This is how I'm going to feed my family. Well, yeah, there ain't no gospel there. Yeah, but I got to. They go to a better job. Or they go to a place where it's cheaper cost of living. I going to say this as boldly as I can, plainly as I can. They left where the gospel was to go to some place that was cheap and that their retirement would support. They go to another place because that's where they're, well, I got to go take care of my parents, so I got to move there. There ain't no gospel church there, but I got to take care of my parents. Or their children. Well, my daughter's over there, my son's over there. I got to go there, but there ain't no gospel church there. That ain't good. There's scriptures on that. The Lord said, if you don't deny your father, mother, husband, wife, son, or daughter more than me, you ain't worthy to be my disciple. You're taking that too far, Kevin. No, the Lord said that. That's his word. And I thought of my pastor. When I was growing up, this was pounded into us. But he said, instead of leaving the gospel for a better job, we ought to leave our jobs for a better gospel. How many do? A remnant. A remnant. Who gets all the glory for this? Joseph and, and, and Nicodemus, they lost everything. They, they were well rich men. He wasn't rich now. You're broke, Bubba. Nobody take your money. They won't even sell you groceries. Nicodemus, you ain't part of that Sanhedrin no more. You left them, them religious circles when he went to went to God. When he came to Christ. Who gets the glory for this? The Lord does. The Lord does, doesn't he? This is all his doing. His perfect providence to honor himself, to glorify himself. He used two cowards. The least likely two to do it. This is real important. Stick with me. If I lost you, catch up. Where was Joseph buried? The same place every believer is buried. In the Lord's tomb. He was buried in the Lord's tomb. In the cleft of the rock. That's where we... Must be buried. Jacob says, I'm to be gathered unto my people. It's got to happen. The master was risen out of that tomb when Joseph died, so there's plenty of room for him. Our Lord's on his throne right now, and there's plenty of room. Come on. I know there's room because we ain't, this world's still here. (laughs) Lord, that calls last saint home. Come to him, profess him, bow to him. The master's risen. And I thought this too. <clears throat> Joseph, he hewned out. The, that's his tomb, his new tomb. He hewned out, right? In the grave that he dug for himself. We dig our own graves, don't we? We did our own sin and at a great cost to us. But the Lord laid in our place. Do you see that this is all substitution? You, you think that went through their head? You think Nicodemus and, and Joseph was standing there with all their understanding and and, and, and wisdom and, And that's that's where I ought to be laying. He's laying there. That's what has to happen. Mm. You think they considered that? The graves that we're laid in being in Christ, no one's going to take anyone else's spot and no spot will be found empty. Mm. I said that before Genesis 49. His eyes were red with wine, his teeth white as milk. As we see him, if he, if he works in us, and this is passionate inside of us because He's living in us, and, and what comes out of our mouth is that milk of the gospel, that drives all of our thoughts and all of our decisions day in and day out. How to deal with people, uh, uh, how to deal with our neighbors, where we live, how hard we work at our given occupations, and how we're buried. It does. I got to touch on this. I did before, but not, I don't think I did it plain enough. What is done with the bodies of God's children? We have physical bodies, they die. We are not to desecrate this body. To burn it is to desecrate it. That's so. What did God do with Moses? It says in Deuteronomy 34, Moses was a servant. He died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him. The Lord buried him in a valley in the land of Moab. That way nobody would know where it was and nobody would go worship where he's buried. God buried Moses. What happened to the Lord? What happened to Christ? God buried Christ, didn't he? Buried in the ground. Is that good enough for Christ? That's good enough for me. How about you? What about being burnt? Well, we read in Revelation 20 and several other places, just one I picked. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into a lake of fire. Christ was that burnt offering for us. That's what when Aaron went to go had those white linens. It was taking a burnt offering. Christ was our burnt offering. And because he was burned in the Father's wrath and the Father's indignation, we'll never burn. Now, I may die in a house fire, but if I got my druthers and I get a pick, you're going to put me in the ground. And if it's too expensive here, I can buy a plot of land somewhere else. <laughs> it don't cost much to transport dead bodies. I'm talking uh, uh, cremation. I don't want there being any confusion after this. That's what I'm talking about. Lords, there ain't a. I went through that before. Uh, the kings they had a big uh, bonfire for him, but they didn't burn him. They Ain't nowhere in scripture. They're buried. Where did all this take place? John nineteen verse forty. And they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, where was never man yet laid. There's a garden there. Our Lord lay there like no man has ever laid before. We're back in the garden again. Does that say garden in your Bible? We're back in the garden again. The first Adam. He was made in a garden and he died in a garden. The second Adam, he was laid in a garden and arose from a garden. He laid like no man's ever laid, and he arose like nobody's ever ascended. That we may live in him, be holy forever, secure, perfect forever. In a garden. That's where he did it. My my friend Paul asked this sometimes who wrote this book? Have you seen anything more majestic than that? It's magnificent. It's without air. If we have the lens of the gospel to see these pages through, it's perfect. Christ gets all the glory for it, don't he? That's why I said that was my last question. I guess I had one more. He still gets the glory, huh? Amen. I hope that's a blessing to you. Let's pray together. Father, we want to be faithful servants. When we see Christ. And him crucified, and what's finished, and him risen, and him seated on his throne, or the desire to be a faithful servant, to be a good and wise servant, is in us, but you must do it. We beseech you. We beg and we crave to see Christ and honor him and live as people in this world that honor him and know him. I know that comes through much trial, Lord, and much pain and loss of family and loss of loved ones and respect and money and position. Make us that way. Use us. Use this assembly you have, this congregation, this part of the world. Lord, give us wisdom. Thank you for what you've revealed to us. Thank you for our understanding that you've given us of our Lord. Thank you for Giving us a heart that adores him, Lord, and forgive us for what we are, forgive us our cowardice and this flesh and it's always worn against us be with our brethren, Lord, those that aren't with us tonight that are in the pain and the trial that you've sent, strengthen them, Lord, and give them wisdom through it. It's because of our redeemer, because of where he is now and his intercession for us that we Come boldly to ask these things. Amen.